This is the summer of pre-orders. Have you guys pre-ordered anything yet? Yes. What'd you get? Shatterpoint, Leviathan, Ashes of Faith. <laughs> spending a lot of money on <laughs> spending a lot of money on plastic this summer. <laughs> oh. Well, how about you? How about you, Mr. Robert? Oh no, man. I don't I got I try to keep my backlog low. I've got a couple of things that I need to finish up, but I'm I'm trying to be diligent, like if I don't have everything painted, I don't need more things to paint. Self-control, something I do not have. Self-control. I mean, that's <laughs> go with this, man. I have not uh, ordered anything myself. Um, I probably will. I just don't know when. Because right now, we're on the Squad Games podcast. My name is Giacomo. I'm with Dakota. And we're also today with Robert, as you heard earlier. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing now, great. This, this Robert is not uh, the Robert we typically have on the show. This is uh, this Robert is a fantastic craft world's kill team player and he um he's quite a avid admec player in the 40k scene so uh robert has topped many of my events uh he's uh or our events he's quite good so glad to have you on the episode today robert thank you it's a pleasure to be here yeah robert's the man man he sure is. Whenever I talk about Rob's, like my wife always gets confused. She's like, wait, which Robert are we talking about? Which Rob? And I was like, one's named Robert, one's named Rob. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I would differentiate them. <laughs> it's like, it's like in the kill team scene, there's a lot of, uh, there's only two Robs that I know really. That's like really that is in our area. And there's like a lot of Alex's, a lot of Chris's, but somehow we can differentiate between Alex and Chris's, but you know, I guess Rob's, Rob's hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think I dodged my only chance to play against Rob at the last All Valley. Well, you're going to have I another chance, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he there playing uh, Corsairs or am I getting confused? He sure was. Yeah, yeah, I definitely dodged him. I was like, I don't need Eldar the Eldar matchup. No thanks. I'm gonna take the easy <laughs> kinda, win against Admec. <laughs> kind of funny that both Roberts play Eldar of some sort. You know, that's fun. Yeah, maybe my name should be Rob. De Robert. <laughs> yeah, De Roberto. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, today we are going to be talking about tournament tactics, both all singles, doubles, and team tactics. For that everyone can hopefully bring to your local tournaments, put them into effect, and uh, you know play better, or just think about how you did and maybe how to improve. So, um, you know, Robert is very, uh, very good at this kind of thing. Uh, in fact, he did help me for some things at KTO, and I ignored his advice, and to my detriment, <laughs> you know, to oh, my great detriment. Why you scored that way? Yeah, it was also because, you know, I scored like one game completely incorrectly. Um, oh, yeah. Well, that, that was the game that I accidentally put in a win for my opponent. You know, it's, it's oh, like, yeah, yeah. Rule number one, when you're submitting scores on BCP, make sure they're correct and not for the opposite player. There we go. <laughs> Dude, I, f I feel you. I remember doing, uh, not related to tabletop gaming, but oh, card games. We, it was a pre-release back when Magic was really big and doing midnight stuff. And I did one. And it was probably two in the morning. 
And I remember I won a, a match that I shouldn't have because my opponent was too tired and messed up. But then the same time I was too tired and inputted him as the win. And I just remember like immediately losing the rest of the tournament after that, man. I, uh, those are the worst feelings. <laughs> Tilted turn two, you know? To, yeah. <laughs> just self-tilted too. Like I did it to myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rob, you, I think, huh? go ahead. Uh, Robert, you ever been in a situation like that? Actually, the only time I got the scores mixed up was the, I think the all random tournament somehow. Mm. So even the scores are randomized. <laughs> you gotta love that. <sighs> Yeah, one of the, um, I mean, it happens to everyone, right? So mm. when you do it once, you probably will never forget to do it again, and then you'll do it again. So <laughs> <laughs> if that ever happens to anyone uh, and you do notice it, just go and talk to um, your local, your TO, and they can fix it. Unfortunately, BCP has still not updated their the phone app version. For a very long time, BCP had their phone app. And for anyone that knows, this is how you score ITC points, right? So as a TO, you would create your event and then you would submit for a token. And then after your event is done and you're granted a token from uh, the people who are running uh, from BCP, you would submit the results along with that token that verifies your, it's essentially like a token that verifies your tournament. From there, uh, everything gets uploaded to ITC. And, um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with that, but you know, for any TOs out there that are that are looking to have their their players score for ITC, that's you, how you do it. So, uh, when that happens, and uh, if the tournament's already submitted and over, you're you're pretty much out of luck. But yeah. if you catch it beforehand, they the TOs can go in and switch the, the switch the scores. It's a uh, it's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. Make make sure you do it while you're at the event. Um, I have two emails in uh, BCP. So like my first three events, including my third place at the uh, San Diego U S open are under one account. And then all the rest of my events are under, under another and uh, BCP will not change anything. So I am currently the first and third best player in craft world. (laughs) (laughs) Now what you need to do is just make another account. So you can be first, (laughs) second and third. You just show your dominance. <laughs> See, Layla's the second place. I don't want to kick her oh, out. She does oh. hard work. Layla's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, she's also a very good craft world player. Mm-hmm. And craft world is an interesting um, kill team because uh, when it was first released to the compendium version, they mm-hmm. were awful, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they got the buff, you know, when the grenade spam meta was in, they were S tier, like super busted. Yeah. Um, and then you found a lot of success. Are you going to be playing them this tournament season, Robert? I, I might not um, for two mm. reasons. I think their matchup into well-played intercession is really bad. Yeah. Um, granted, the top players aren't playing intercession, so it's not that big a deal. I can beat probably a mediocre second stringer anyway, and then do fine like like the last event that uh, we played down in san diego i brought uh, intercessors and i actually probably would have done better with my craft world that event i didn't run into any opposing intercessors so meh um and then the second reason is i've played like 40 something tournament games i've played over 80 games with craft world i i've played a lot of craft world <laughs> I, could, I could stand to play something else 
Okay. I, I know what you mean. <laughs> so first things first, I wanted to ask you, if you find yourself always getting around the same score, getting middle of the pack, getting the back of the pack, or if you're always getting second or third, what would you suggest improve? Would you suggest changing your team? Would you suggest practicing more? Like what would your, what would your, your, your reason be of, you know? Oh, I think fixing that problem. Very, very rarely do you need to change the team. I think, I think like people point at win rates on tournaments. The tournament data is very scuffed. I agreed. Small sample sizes, all sorts of extraneous factors. My, backgrounded from my degree is includes a bunch of data science. So I, I'm, I'm aware of these problems. Um, they can really only show what team is overperforming because that's really obvious, assuming there's enough sample size. You know, granted, when I'm playing a tournament that month, Craft World have like a 70% win rate, which is not indicative of anything, right? Um, so what you really want to do is focus on your team, uh, the team that you enjoy. If you're not enjoying that team, find a team that you enjoy. Find a team that you want to practice. You need to put in many games per week. And what you need to do is you need to put in concerted practice where you are writing down things that you've learned after each match. You should have a rough idea of how the game went uh, to write down a summary and you need to distill some mistakes that you've made and make a, uh, a practice plan that you're going to stick to for the next practice games that you do. For example, when I was starting out, um, I still have all of my old journals. Um, I, I spent months practicing up to the San Diego US Open, which is my first big event. And uh, I had uh, practice plans that were like, always make sure you check two inch spacing between your models before you move on and end your activation, <laughs> because you're going to forget about it. And then someone is going to grenade you and it's going to be a huge problem. Always check your spacing. Uh, if you have just anywhere that you could end this model's movement, it kind of doesn't matter. We all have those situations. Like he needs to get roughly over here and it's kind of irrelevant. I run through a checklist of two inch spacing. Is he more than two inches away from another model? Uh, are there any obscuring lines that he could take advantage of that would make him harder to hit for the opponent's next gunner activation? Are there any, any enemy threat ranges I need to be aware of to check for, is he going to get charged by someone or like popped by a melt gun or something? You'll develop these practice plans, you'll implement them, and then they'll become second nature. Okay. Hmm. That right. two inch, that two inch gap thing is, is very important. It might... Yeah. For any elite player out there, you're like, okay, like, why would I need to do that? Well, you have to remember, <laughs> there are people out there that play soon-to-be cultists, uh, Vetguard, uh, Felgor. Uh, something interesting that you said about the the met, the the data, right? Is that recently at BAO, um, you know, I still think that Felgor are very, very strong, right? I think that they're still probably S tier, maybe after cultists and inquisition come out, they'll drop down to a tier, <laughs> but the, I, I still firmly believe that they are very strong. And while they performed well at the event, I think they had a 57 or 58% win rate. Um, everyone that placed typically wins tournaments or places in those tournaments, right? So like the top three players, 
and none of them brought Felgor. Um, I find kill team is very skill dependent. Like you might be able to watch everyone's, you know, uh, tier list videos, their power rankings, but in the end, it is way more about your practice, your skill than it is a team. Now you might be able to pilot something to a higher standard with a stronger team, but you know, it is, it, it, I, that's another reason why I was saying, I think that the, the data can be misleading on certain teams. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of, of problems with data. Um, there's this double whammy effect where players, uh, players who are strong, who get more win rates will pursue teams they perceive are stronger. So that means other teams have weaker players on average and are getting stomped by stronger players. They don't have a good player to bring that win rate back up. So they just look way worse. So you mm-hmm. get these huge swings in win rate when actually I think the internal design metrics that the designers use are pretty tightly bound around some hypothetical Jedi curve. Um, that's a magic gathering term where, you know, a, a two power, a two cost creature should have roughly two, two power say. Okay. Um, and so everything, even though they have all these disparities in effects and abilities, they're all basically costing internal points. Um, and all the teams are pretty reasonably balanced, save for a couple outliers. Um, and everything gets balanced over time. When I said, you know, you know, stick to your team, that is granted, play a team that is reasonable into the local metagame. This is not hope chess. We're not, we're not hard of the cards here just because you believe <laughs> doesn't mean you're going to succeed necessarily. Don't, don't run in with, um, Oh, I don't know. Ecclesiarchy into intercessors. That's not going to end well for you, but no, it won't. You know, within reason, pick a team, have, have a distinct reason why you think they're good. Um, uh, people asked, asked, uh, Hey, why did you play craft world? Just craft world fucking, busted for a long time when the meta was all uh vet guard commandos and pathfinders and novitiates with craft world being able to take five plasma grenades craft world runs rampant all over those matchups it's not even yeah. funny um it's a little worse now and granted even before the nerf i was going like yeah five five grenades is too much i found i was only throwing like two grenades a game <laughs> and so going down to one wasn't that big of a change for me but having the option was just really nasty. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was a good time to be a craft worlds player, to say the least. Uh, unfortunately, I found out how good it was uh, the week before, <laughs> before the, <laughs> the grenade. I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are so good! I want to play them. And then the next, literally like three days later, they were like, grenades only one. Or two, it cut, depending on your it cut both ways, though, because then you weren't getting, you know, mass grenaded by a uh, vet guard either. True. Yeah. And your grenades True. were better than mm-hmm. theirs. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm quite excited to see the future of Kill Team, uh, to say the least. Um, Giacomo, have you you have you played you got to play Robert at SoCal, right? I did. Oh, God. That was a brutal game. That was, that was a games. very brutal game. Uh, I think at the end, Robert bested me, and I feel like I played to the best of my abilities. And all I can say was at the time, man, Space Marines were awesome. You really could just take out elves like it was nothing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our dice were going. It was the worst thing because our dice were going nuclear and cold on <laughs> the exact opposite time you would expect. Like I remember, I ran that melt gunner out and oh. just like <laughs> full face to space brain. Like that's usually picks up the model, right? Absolutely. Fluffed everything. He doesn't take any damage. Somehow mm-hmm. that melt gunner ended up living and like ran back and tried to ice another guy. Totally fluffed. I think my. Uh, Exarch with her power weapon ran up and just like failed to to do anything either. And your sergeant was just like in a hallway, just melting everyone <laughs> with the super bolter. Yep. And then at the end of the game, I was running for the hills trying to score points, and your bolter rounds were just like pinging off the corridor, just unable to land anything. Unfortunately, became a stormtrooper. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Should have painted right him the white. Right he needed it. Just <laughs> sealed the deal, and nope, couldn't hit me. Just ran out the ran out the airlock and planted my banners. Uh, you know, there, there, there's moments like that, and as a player, you just have to take it. You're in a tournament setting. You're in a public place. You got to just roll with the punches and go. You know, it's a good game. Thanks for it. And then you just walk away. You know, that's part of this part of life. Accepting losses is big. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> well, since that was a doubles tournament. Um, we should maybe start there. Uh, there's multiple different formats for doubles, right? There's not everyone out there plays them, but some bigger events has them. Uh, typically, it's a 1v1, um, two players 1v1ing each other, and you come with a teammate or you get paired up at an event. Or like one of ours coming up is literally like you're playing on a, a 30 by 44 board and you have two players versus two players, right? Yep. Um. Did you find any, any, um, how I ran the one V ones in at SoCal open was, uh, both players got to roll off, whichever team won the roll off, they could either choose the matchup or choose the map. And the maps were usually very different, like an open board and an into the dark board. Right. So you could be like, Hey, I'm going to put craft world on into the dark and I'm going to put, uh, ad mech on open. Right. And then the other opponents would then get to choose the matchup. Um, so there was still some strategy in that aspect. Uh, Robert, did you find anything uh, in particular about those tournaments that uh, did you find that one option was always better than the other? Oh, in terms of uh, which, which you'd rather control the board yeah. matchup. Mm-hmm. It really depends on your team. Huh? Um, like we've said, because this is such a skill based game and it's much better to be uh, deeply skilled in one team than like, reasonable at a bunch because you're only ever taking that one team to an event right you need to yeah. know the depth of your roster to really maximize them which you don't get from playing one ups um when you go to a tournament you're going to come with uh, a friend and you guys are both going to have one team that you main and you're going to be really good at you'll need to develop a strategy around that um, sometimes that is going to be, we need to protect you from into the dark, because if you're on open board, you're amazing or Pathfinders. opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Pathfinders. Or opposite. Like, ah, we brought custodies. Let's put you on into the dark every time and just mince everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be that it can also be like, we need to avoid getting this mission. Um, here's a, here's a really weird example. Uh, Necrons are really bad at uh, the compendium. Necrons are really bad at uh, some particular board layouts. So sometimes it might be like, ah, oh, yeah, we brought compendium Necrons as an arbitrary example. So we need to make sure that you don't end up on any missions where you just can't reach your third objective on the first round because you're so slow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that I think that is really what your strategy is going to be revolving around. I think there's a, a certain amount of um, you want to bring someone who's good into your bad matchups. Otherwise, your team has an Achilles heel. Uh, for instance, uh, my craft world has a bad matchup into Intercessors and Warp Coven, and that's kind of it, maybe blooded. Um, so I need someone who can just eat Space Marines for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, mm -hmm. um, which is going to be like, I don't know, Kasserkin or uh, Pathfinders. Pathfinders a lot of the time, yeah. Um, but then you have to be worried about like, okay, if we get in, into the dark map, my craft world are fine on Into the Dark, but not great. So do I really want a Pathfinders teammate on Into the Dark? Mm, so probably, probably mm. would really play Kasserkin, who are a little bit better. Um on on into the dark so these are the yeah. kinds of considerations you've got to make that's interesting yeah i would have never thought about that like telling your teammate hey you know this is what i run and i'm good at this are you pretty good at this so that we you know kind of get both our angles yeah and it's going to be a lot of uh like you said the data scuffed you need to you need to know what you're bad at <laughs> so you need to be just as aware of things that <laughs> eh, i'd really rather not take this matchup which is not a luxury you normally get in singles it's just like i have to have a plan for every single matchup but then you need to be able to take a step back and be like well yeah but this plan is is pretty not great i would really prefer <laughs> not to have this if i could ban this matchup for singles would i do that yeah which is not something you're used to thinking about yeah absolutely and i think that's why innately doubles and team tournaments are less competitive just because usually you go and you go to have fun and you aren't always thinking of of winning every time but if you are thinking of winning i think it's still a viable tournament strategy that i don't think is is necessarily used enough out there because while it's less competitive it's also a lot more fun i find uh when you get to play with a friend uh you know playing on you know, doubles or triples or in a team of five for 40 K uh, it's just, a, it's, it's way more enjoyable because you're winning or losing with your, with your homies and <laughs> sisters. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's a, it's a more fun experience rather than always going and, and, and having at it alone and then hoping your, your homie across the hall is, uh, is winning too, you know? Yeah. Or losing because you know, or losing. I, I don't want to go up against fucking James Kelly every, <laughs> every finals and semifinals. Thank you very much. Yeah, I did that recently and I lost, so you know, I'm right there, there with you. you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and plus, you know, team team tournaments are, are just less stressful. Like, yeah. the, all the pressure is not on me exclusively. Like, obviously, I need to perform, right? Everybody's counting on me, but like, you know, I can lose in, um, you know, Alex Squires and Emmanuel pick up the slack sometimes. So there you go. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's sometimes that's some of the best. Uh, the, and and so even even if you finish your game really quickly, whether you get destroyed or you win, you can still root on for your for your for 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 the your allied player. You know, you can be like, oh, nice roll. You know, or <laughs> you get down and pray for the emperor. You know, I think yeah. I'm I might be the only person that does that, but you know. Um, I, uh, yes. I followed I followed your your playbook actually against uh, Robert. I was oh, yeah? saying uh, purge the Xeno scum when I was rolling real hot in the beginning of the game. So, <laughs> did you stop? I, did you stop yelling? That? I, I did. I did, and I think that's mm. what killed me. 
It is. You have to believe. <laughs> See, like 40K is also like you have to be an orc, right? If you believe in the, the heart of the cards, you believe in the heart of the miniatures and the plastic, you will succeed, Giacomo. And once you start, once you have that doubt, once you have that doubt, that doubt creeps in, you know, the Inquisition will come for you and your dice will start rolling. Oh, man. that's That was my fault, I guess. I should have ordered uh, Ashes of Faith to get them Inquisition. But if uh, I guess if I was looking to get some, where would I want to go? Um, you'd want to go to the Frontline Gaming web store. And uh, if you guys are looking to go to LVO, you please use our affiliate link because we get a little bit of a kickback. Uh, that should be live. That is live currently. If you're looking for an LVO ticket, uh, go ahead and pick it up off of our FLG affiliate link. Yeah, and you can use all the uh, tournament advice you learned in this video. Apply it over there. Absolutely. Absolutely. To any of these tournaments or even your local tournaments. Yeah, local tournaments out here in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. So so when um, moving on to the All Valley team tournament or any other team tournament, because this this some of this, these same strategies can be used for uh, Big Hammer as well. So this is just as useful for Big Hammer, AOS, the, all those kinds of events. Uh, I find when I'm playing, sometimes skew lists are uh, more important because you still have this this weird picking of th- strategies. Like, uh, for instance, you have your team your team captain roll off against another team captain. Your team wins. You put one team out for for your attacker, and then they get to put out two uh, two teams. And then you get to choose while your team has to put up two attackers. Your other person, and then the other team gets to choose one. And then the final match is. Whoever doesn't want to play whoever. Hopefully it's Geller Pox versus Geller Pox. No one wants to play Geller Pox. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh and then that that same that same thing happens for a five person tournament. Um it's called I think it's called the sword and shield method, I believe. Uh I'm not hundred percent sure. But uh it's a it's a it's an interesting mechanic that has a lot of strategy to it. And the last year's winners of the All Valley team tournament, a team angry. They ended up uh, taking their Hyrotech player, which uh, Hyrotech just came out, and yes, they were awful, but they threw their Hyrotech player into the best opponent um, on every team, and then they were good enough to beat the other two players, and they just won the entire tournament that way, right? So it's a very interesting thought process behind this. Uh, Robert, you played in that tournament. Do you? I did. Do you think that skew lists are going to be a little bit better or do you think that there's a, a more different strategy to go into it? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because skew lists don't don't exist in Kill Team the way they do in Big 40K. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. team is kind of a complete package. Um I, I do think that having having teams with really sharp matchups can be pretty beneficial. Um people are going to be able to bring uh, kind of off the wall stuff into uh, team tournaments anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like a custody player could show up and you could make guarantee almost that they would get a decent matchup almost every game. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, something that something that's strong, but less played. Right. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's, to answer your question to that point, yes, I do think that it is better to bring um, specialists than it is to bring generalists. Um, 
you would want something that has like really strong matchups instead of something that is just kind of generally good. I guess like that guard is maybe one that just kind of has good matchups across the board, just kind of a normal competent team. Um, I think you'd rather bring something like Harlequins, which just absolutely dumpsters like half the the teams in the game, but then loses really hard to a couple key matchups, so they're not so competitive anymore. Um, weird stuff like that, right? Uh, and that might require that you spend some time practicing uh, and practicing matchups that you normally wouldn't beforehand if you're if you're interested in winning the whole event. That is, mm, that's true. Mm. Some some of those events do have really good prizes, and others mm-hmm. don't always. I think when we went to the uh, Las Vegas team tournament, I was underwhelmed by our Renaissance trophy. Yeah. We we got a we 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 placed third in Renaissance. First, second, and third all got a singularly etched cup, um, <laughs> saying like third Renaissance, second Renaissance, first Renaissance. And while first through third probably got a, a better one, uh, we came with five players for Warhammer 40k tournament. So it was it was it was hard for me to be like, well, I don't want this because I can make this. <laughs> you know, do you guys want it or should we shatter it on the ground in each take uh, different pieces? <laughs> I was salty, um, to say the least. Uh, but. Um, some of those tournaments do have really good price support. Uh, so sometimes people want to win because of price support. Other times people want to win because they're competitive. Um, but other times, you know, like winning the event doesn't really matter because everyone's there having fun. Right. So. Should be, should be every time, every time winning the event doesn't matter. That is true. That is true. Uh, what you're going to win a little box of plastic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because it's better being being good and winning events, not not actually that important. Come on, man, this is a hobby. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, but you know, sportsmanship is wild, man. You know, like you guys have been to tournaments. It's true. Mm-hmm. Well, if you win, you only get fake internet points, right? You get like you get like a little social score of of like, hey, look how good I am at this, <laughs> this team. Right? Dude, not even that though. I go on Reddit. No one knows who who I am. No one cares. I'm like, hey, I have to predicate everything. Hey, I win all these events, and they're like, no, you don't. Get out of here. All from the same menu. You're not that important. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah. So, so like- really, no one actually cares how yeah. how you perform. It only matters how other good players think you're cool. So yeah, be cool. Yeah, just be cool. I think that's that's the most important thing out of everything, out of you know inputting your scores correctly, um, yep. <laughs> is is sportsmanship. And I recently won sportsmanship again uh, at BAO. <laughs> you know, um, but like I have a very you know standard tactic that I go to. I found when I'm playing kill team games because like. I run tournaments and it's more important for me to, for people to have fun and enjoy my games than it is for me to win. Right. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to let off the gas or, or not part uh, or not play. Right. So uh, the thing that I end up finding myself do is that I play a team of action heroes and I joke and I make uh, 
you know, a lot of jokes about my team and the models. And sometimes that's hard to do when you're playing with like a random space brain. They're like, Hey, space brain Johnson, you know, gosh, he's, he's so, he's so cool. But like when you have like Arnold Schwarzenegger who just doesn't die from like an orc, two orcs shooting at him the whole round, then you can like make jokes about the predator and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, you know, I think you kind of have to find that inner balance of how can you consistently break the ice with your opponent uh, in a reliable manner so that things don't turn into a fel- feel bad or, um, you know, things are a little bit easier to, to talk about or like, let's say you're just, you know, rawful stomping somebody, right? Like, how do you, how, how do you find yourself trying to play up the sportsmanship card, Robert? Yeah. So one of the things that I do is um, I try to be really, uh, forthcoming about the intention of my play. And I try to encourage my opponent to do the same thing. So if I'm deploying, I ask my opponent, okay, if I place this model here, is there any line of sight that you could draw to, you know, to be able to shoot at me while we're still discussing this? Because realistically, all of the information is available. This is not a game of hidden information. Your opponent should not be trying to gotcha you. Um, no strong player does that. In fact, strong players will remind their opponent, hey, remember I have an Auspex and Omnispex. Remember I can do this, that, or the other thing if they're about to make some kind of dumb play. Unless you're playing Corsairs because they have a <laughs> they have a counter charge that you have to gotcha. Otherwise, it doesn't work. But yes. Yes. Um, yes. Well, yeah. Um, you could, your opponent can accept the risk and, and just get, get eaten by that it. That is but, true, too. No, so actually, I take that back. Even in that case, don't don't gotcha them with that. Be like, remember, this isn't a thing I can do, and it's not important that you do it. The threat of doing it is what will dissuade them from making those those decisions, right? Or they Correct. accept the risk and be like, I'm just I'm gonna get charged, countercharged by the lying and wait strat. Um, uh, I think that's a perfect example. And then one of the things that I do to help break the ice is. Um, Something that uh, James Kelly actually actually told me that he does. Uh, look for an early opportunity where your opponent is like uh, drawing some line of sight, measuring something. And it's like it could – you could like maybe throw a fit and contest it. Like it's just on the edge. Is it just in range? Is the line of sight just right? You know, maybe if you wiggle the line like a fraction of a millimeter, it could be in or, in or out. If it's something that like isn't super important, just like let them have it. And I think that helps encourage people to be like, this is not a game where we're going to gotcha each other, where we're not going to, you know, throw a tantrum over anything. And it helps like lower the mood. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I think uh, I usually call that giving players grace. So mm-hmm. like when you're playing, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, if you make a mistake, you know, or your opponent makes a mistake, you know, you, you give people grace and you, you can, you can walk back a step or two, but there's also giving grace. You can only give so much, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's kind of like somebody's like, Hey, uh, this model wasn't supposed to be here. You know, I didn't think you could get a shot off and you're like, well, you know, that sucks. I'm sorry. You know, like, yeah. I, I mean, I have the shot, right? And it, there's, a, there's a way to say it that's, that's nicer than being like just letting someone always take back the move. So that's, that's one thing I do notice sometimes in tournaments is that sometimes people keep trying to take back things because of certain things. And while you give grace to opponents to maintain good, good sport, sportsmanship, 
you can only do that so much. So maybe like once or twice in a game or be like, Hey, you know, like I gave you this, you know, you could give me this. And, you know, immediately if somebody doesn't do that socially, you know, then it's like, okay, well, I guess the game is on. Right. And it's just like, then it becomes really can get really tense. So. Right. Yeah. And, and, and to that point, I guess if they are being obnoxious, that's something you should just call a judge, just call a judge and let them sort it out. Don't, don't make it about you versus them. Just make it about a proper representation of the rules have a third party come and deal with it and you really should just go say hi to the judge so you right before the event starts just so that like you're comfortable being able to talk to the judge it's a great that's a great for thing. your own sake hmm. yeah bring a judge is very important it's nobody's nobody's fault nobody's weaponizing judges that's not a thing that happens and then on the flip side scrounging for every little advantage by like pushing for oh this could be you know just just in or just out or Oh, I didn't realize you could do that. Could I take back my move? That's that's not how you win events. No, <laughs> you might not. be able to sneak one game, but like you're not going to be able to win the whole thing. And even if you do, nobody cares if you won. <laughs> if you were a jerk about it, that's the only thing that matters. It's <laughs> what your yeah. peers think of you. If you get a bad reputation when, while winning, which has happened a couple of times, we all know a couple of guys who are just you know they placed at an event where they really shouldn't have. That doesn't do anything for them, right? Like, right, their yeah. eyes are on them. They're not going to be able to get away with stuff at further events. They're not going to continue to win. They didn't get better. Nobody likes them, so they're not even going to have that much fun hanging out with anybody. Like, it's just not a good strategy, man. Absolutely not, yeah. There's a lot of, like, social tricks and tips that you can use while being uh, – uh, while trying to be more sports. And, like, Giacomo, do you have any that you you like to do? Yeah, this is actually a tactic I learned when just talking with people who generally have opposing views or really aren't on your same level in terms of like what you might agree on. And I find it best to not necessarily get into arguments, but rather lighten the mood, make a joke like, oh, you know, uh, I rolled those dice, should have gotten ones or something, huh? could have gotten sixes or, you know, whatever I'm making up here. The point is, is that you have to lighten the mood with somebody in order to bring them back down. Like, let's say they're, they're, they're really heated because they really wanted to pull this move off and it just doesn't work. Uh, lighten the mood. Think of a joke. Tell them something like, oh yeah, I remember earlier when I tried to do that thing and I messed that up. You know, like things like this. Bring it down because it's easier to laugh and be more willing to move on than it is to just stay angry with an opponent or have an opponent who's angry at you. Uh, that's usually what I do. And I find it's pretty successful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that harkens back to, you know, when, when you guys are playing, you know, like ensure that you're both having fun. You can still have a competitive game while ensuring both players are having fun. Like if you are focused on like stomping people and stuff like that, Obviously, like your reputation might not be great. You're, you you also have to realize that at smaller events, sure, somebody might have paid $25, $35 to come and play a game that they like, but they're still coming to a place donating their time to have a, a play a game of plastic that they like. So if you're rude or something like that, you know, are they, will they come back? I don't know. Right. Depends on how bad of a, of a game they want. And ultimately, we should all be focusing on building the community rather than, you know, the community dying because the, the scene gets toxic. And then it goes even more so for really large events like the All Valley Team Tournament, SoCal Open, LVO, New York Open, um, West Coast Championship, you know, any of the Warhammer tournaments. 
you have to realize that some people have spent a thousand dollars or more just to come and play a game that they want to enjoy, show off their models, have fun, right? These people are human beings, right? And we're all just playing with plastic. So come into the game lighthearted. You don't have to win. Some people fly across the fly across the country or from Europe, right? We had uh Kenya Roller Crit, John Reese come in from from Europe, right? To to play at LVO, you know? Um these are all really important things to 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 realize rather than winning is secondary. Having fun and playing a game is first. Uh yeah, and when you focus on 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 playing and winning, you might get two different outcomes. I think that is another important thing to practice is to tell an opponent your spark notes of what your operatives do. Like when I'm playing Vetguard, I have to I have to explain 14 models and they're not all the Krieg models, right? Mm-hmm. So when 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 you're doing that, you have to make it as precise and as fast as possible because ultimately the most important thing is finishing the game, right? So you 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 need to make sure that you can tell your opponents like, hey, these are my intercessors. They all have duelists. These are my shooting guys. These are my attacking guys. Th- these guys can fight twice. These guys can shoot twice. I have a strategy that if one of my guys die, I can I can shoot after he's dead. Um, you know, and that's, I, they can move an extra inch because I took rapid. You know, right. and that's, yeah. that's the downloadable spark notes that are the most pertinent information. But if you're like, hey, you know, this guy, he's, um, he's really strong. He has a plasma pistol. The plasma pistol does this. He can fight twice. Uh, and I'm going to give him uh, blessed bolts. And now we're going to move on to this, you know, the same thing. So yeah. it's super important to make sure that you're being concise and to the point, unlike me rambling. <laughs> <laughs> Lightening the mood. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and to that point, um, it's also, I like to point out like, I'm not gonna gotcha. I will try and make sure that like you don't walk into any any trap cards. Um, you know, I'll say All right, here here's here's my ability. Here's vaguely what they do, and uh, and I'm just I'll make sure I'll let you know if if you're about to do something, you know, that I can take advantage of. I try and make I make that up front. Yeah, there's also something that's important. Um, when someone goes up to go to the restroom. You know, you'd be like, hey, man, is this going to be quick? Because if not, you know, I'm going to have to start a timer because we only have two hours to finish this game. Right. And you're like, oh, I'm just going number one. All right, cool. But like if somebody's like, oh, I need to go use the restroom and they disappear for 20 minutes, then then actively like it's actively putting pressure on both players to now complete a game that was supposed to be completed in two hours in an hour and 40 minutes. Right. Uh, Or them showing up late and stuff like that. So make sure that you have a time clock app. That is downloaded on your phone because if somebody is going to do that, it happened at LVO. It happens on occasion to be like, Hey, unfortunately, you know, with, with us both having limited time, you know, let's say you start the time clock five minutes goes off the clock. Okay. Whatever you start the time clock, 15 minutes goes off on your opponent's half. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of important. That's a lot of time, right? So if you have to use the restroom, you have to do something like that. Make sure you do it in your break between games. Yep, and, and be sure to have that time clock so that uh, don't like don't like clear the time. Have it so that when you call a judge later to be like the judge comes over because you're running out of th- you're running over time, you'd be like, hey, this is why, and make it make it on the judge to arbitrate that instead. Don't don't try and try and hash that out between the two of you yeah. if it starts to become a problem. I think I think 
an even better thing is if you if if your opponent takes 15 minutes, 20 minutes in the restroom, we all understand that people are human, right? Sometimes something happens, right? Uh, and ultimately, like at the very beginning of that, of right when that person comes back, you'd be like, hey, man, you know, I don't want to have like too much of a crazy conversation about, you know, time and stuff, but you took a long time in the restroom. There's just call over a judge, see what he thinks. And the judge can be like, oh, okay, just remove the time clock, just play through it. It's whatever. But if somebody took 20 minutes in the restroom, 30 minutes in the restroom, then they're like, okay, well, this time clock is now going to be accepted that you're going to have only an hour to uh, 30 minutes to play your turns through. And this person's going to have the full hour, right? And let, let the judge have that, that conversation with your opponent rather than uh, trying to instill something. While it's not a fun conversation to have, you both play, paid to be at the event. And sometimes, you know, you can give grace, but sometimes, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I I was going to say something earlier and I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to forget it too. I knew it. Oh man. Well, you think about that. I've got a strategy for bathroom yeah. breaks. I like okay. to go in uh, hungry to tournaments. I'll bring water and I will bring food, but I won't eat a breakfast beforehand. Um, and that makes sure that I can, you know, I don't have to get up and use the restroom in between, you know, yeah, get a little sense. bit of sugar around lunch, but like make sure you're eating pretty, pretty light and that'll keep you focused on the game. And then when you're done, cause you're going to be exhausted, right? Tournament days are hard. Uh, have something you could just like in your car, you can go get and just absolutely demolish while you wait for the uh, games to wrap up for the award ceremony at the end. <laughs> Even me and Giacomo, we, we, we try to bring sandwiches and, or at BAO, that's what we did for lunch times. We brought sandwiches. We went up to our room, we ate lunch uh, rather than depending on like, Oh, I have to run to in and out, which is uh, a half a mile away and get back <laughs> right. within an hour and then devour my sandwich and then be ready to go. You know, brain of fueled by caffeine. Um, you know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's easier to, to, to plan ahead, but you're only going to get that experience by going to tournaments. Now, Robert, what do you usually do to cool off after a tournament? Let's say maybe you didn't win first or heck, even if you did win first, that's still a lot of stress because you were grinding to get to the top. Uh, what do you like to do after tournaments to kind of help you get back into a normal you? Yeah, you know, it's weird. So normally when I have to, I have to drive back a long ways. Um, so I like to listen to audiobooks. And that's, mm. that's usually my relaxed times. Now I'm going to focus on something else. I'm going to listen about Eisenhorn chasing heretics across the galaxy, right? Yes. I'm going to not focus on, you know, the yes. mistake I made in round six where I could have forced to draw, but then I, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to think about those things. Um, there'll be time for, for writing that stuff down later, but just in the moment, just, just, make yourself focus on something else. I'm driving home. I'm listening. Music isn't good enough. I need something that I can pay attention to while I'm driving. The road, the road. I can need to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, nobody, nobody pays attention to driving. You kidding me? No. Um, be, be a good driver. Uh, I, I don't endorse bad driving, uh, but yeah, but listening to an audiobook, something that can, that can help take your mind off it. So you're not, mind isn't wandering as you focusing on driving um then when i get home eat sleep and then the next day i'm gonna write down what i what i learned in a journal that helps me get it out of my head because i can get it onto a piece of paper and then i don't have to think about it anymore okay that's that good works. 
Yeah. And what's interesting is that a lot of people different ha- have different like um, strategies to help get tournaments out of your head and stuff. Um, how about you, G? What do you do? Well, usually we tend to go out and eat or maybe, you know, just hang out with friends. And like Robert mentioned, it's a good distraction because we don't necessarily have to talk about the tournament. We can talk about other things we all like since we have different things in common. And that helps a lot. Uh, I find that that does work the best for me. And I just like being around people. So like if I'm a little salty, like, like in a team tournament, it's easier to lose with your team because you can all go, oh man, you know, we really suck this game, but uh, let's get some beers, you know? And then yeah. you just, you feel, you feel better because you're losing as a whole and not one person just sulking. So sure. I find it, I find it best to be around people uh, who are, who have positive attitudes. Of course, you don't want to be around negative people at the end of the day when you're feeling bad, then that just makes it worse. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, some tournaments stick with you different than others too, right? Like, uh, BAO, you know, I didn't care if I won or lose. Uh, I went in there. I just wanted to try hard. I wanted to fight Chris Baki, which I did not get to do. Gosh, dang it. I wanted to fight as many Felgor players as I could to see them firsthand. And I didn't care if I lost every game. Uh, I wanted to try my best and see where I could place. But if I won or lost, it's kind of like your mindset going in as well. But then there's other times where you're like, it's your mindset going in is, is really big. Like when I went to LVO 2020, my mindset was to win and I didn't want to accept anything else. Uh, of course, I'd never played a game of, you know, competitive in my life. Um, I went through and I was like, I was like, you know, like, I think I'm good. You know, I think I'm going to go crush. And, um, you know, while I did perform very well, I won my pod and then I tied for top eight out of 50, 56 players. And I tied and I got kicked out by James Skinner. Uh, that guy, he's a great guy. Um, I met him this year finally. Uh, but that's besides the point. I got kicked out of top eight because of my strength of schedule was too weak. And that messed with my head so bad because I, I was, I was like, Oh, I got eighth. I got eighth. Cool. I'm in the top eight. Now I can battle first. Right. But like ultimately, you know, that mindset going in probably wasn't the healthiest. Right. While it probably let me compete the best of my ability. I can tell you what, I did not win best sportsmanship that event. (laughs) (laughs) Things he was learning. Yeah. Learning. Uh, and that's okay to continue to learn from event to event, you know, cause we're not all going to be our best selves every day either. Right. So even if someone's, you know, kind of being a ding dong, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's, it's still good to give them grace and being like, Hey man, is everything all right? Like you seem pretty upset and you can be like, Oh, you know, my dog died or, you know, or, Ooh. Oh man, like, you know, I just hate rolling. I hate rolling ones. And you're like, all right, well that sucks for you. <laughs> Maybe don't <laughs> play might, a game that rolls dice. <laughs> You know, um, top deck of land. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very, really important to have the right mindset going into tournaments before I I tell this to my wife sometimes that she wants to go and she wants to to place or something. And and I'm like, don't Mm. go in with that goal. Because if you have that goal, you more than likely, there's only going to be three placings. You're, you know, and if there's 64 people there, you know, that's like what? 5%. Yeah. So less than 5%. Uh, and the, and the chances of getting that with rolling dice, which is innately swingy in general is, you know, less, less likely going to happen. Yeah. Is there any other tips or tricks that you would give just standard tournament goers just to think about going in between? I really liked your, 
always two inches apart. Oh yeah. So it's going to really depend on your team. It's important that you, like I said, do concerted practice so that you can find out these things that you need to practice. But as far as going to the event itself, um, make sure that you are at least passingly familiar with the tricks of all of the teams in the game. (laughs) That sounds like a lot, but like if you're there to, to win the tournament, you want to compete, um, then you really do need to just kind of know what everybody can do. Yeah. Um, better is find, find time to practice those matchups. Um, but I, that's not always possible. There's not unlimited numbers of players in your local area. Um, but go on a, some, go on a website and make sure that you look up all their tricks or ask people, talk about the matchups. When you actually get to the event, uh, make sure that you have a plan for every mission for your team. Really, you should be able to kind of autopilot through deployment in the first round because you have pre-planned everything. Um, know what uh, secondaries you're taking in each matchup. Have a have a plan. Have it written down beforehand. Don't say, oh, I can probably figure it out when I get there. No, no write it down. Um, make sure you check if uh, the tournament organizer released a terrain packet. Uh, a lot of times, for instance, Dakota's events have pre, uh, pre-designed pre layouts. And I have every single layout. I have a deployment plan for every single mission <laughs> against pretty much every matchup. And anybody who's a top tournament winner has something like this, right? Um do as much work as you can before the event so that when you get to the event, you can pull up your sheet of paper and you can focus on actually making decisions in the moment instead of having to come up with all this extraneous stuff. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good tip. Um, I would say be hesitant to leave points on the table. And also that comes, that's a, that's a double-edged sword, especially in this, this new version of crit ops where teams can score a maximum of 16 VP, right? Um, for instance, when you're playing in a tournament, on primary, you mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. 16 on primary. It's, it's sometimes if you're winning a game so hard and you just table your opponent and stop them from scoring anything that can be a more feels bad for your opponent than anything else. And it might mm-hmm. make them not come back, right? So sometimes being a good player is also knowing when to stop killing your opponent, right? Because it doesn't say it in the rules that you have to utterly annihilate them. Yeah, some people, <laughs> some people have that that ambition, right? Where you're right. like, I'm going to come and I'm going to kill your team as fast as possible, make sure I score all my points, and move on. Yep. You know, th- that doesn't always feel good for the other person. So sometimes, you know, like read the room. You know, um, and you can you can choose to always score points while also not always like being like, hey, you have just one guy left. Do you need to take that last primary objective and kill the model? I mean, it's up to the person. I'm not going to tell you how to play the game. I just know that it sucks when it happens. It's happened to me, you know, and I, I actively don't wish that or try to do that to my opponents. Do I try to kill the majority of their models? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you, you'll end up in these positions, uh, you know, towards the end of round three, but especially on round four, where like the game's over and you're just kind of wrapping up. And a lot of times players will just kind of talk out like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then there's nothing you can do to interact with the, each other. Um, and and secondary objectives are a really easy one uh, to just like let your opponent have because they're not going to affect your scoring, make sure you finish your secondaries, make sure you go and tag your, your primary so you get as many points as you can there. I think the change to uh, 16 max score on primaries is a good one. It's still limited to four per round. So you can't on Correct. round four take every objective and totally smash your opponent. So you don't need to do that. But um, but yeah, if you have to, to, in order to make them not score any primaries, you know, then it's a win, you know, yes. maybe you can. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and there is a little bit of tournament strategy to this point. If I'm playing against someone like um, Emmanuel, I actually ended up losing one of the tournaments I played against him because I let him score a couple of points in a game that he lost against me, and it came down to tiebreakers at the end, and his extra secondary points jumped ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing against someone who you think is going to place, maybe you want to squish them. But like those are probably established players who can take it. If you're yeah. playing against some newbie, just let them score the points for the love of God. Yeah. Max your own points and let them have whatever they can get. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, I was playing in the San Diego tournament. I was doing really well. And I mm-hmm. won my first game really, really well. And I was like, hey, I don't need to kill your last Space Marine, you know, have him score a couple more, have him score his, his, his objectives at the end of the game, bada bing, bada boom. Well, it turns out, I believe I tied that person. He beat me on secondaries later in the game, but you know, I did the right thing and I don't feel bad about it. You know, I'd do it again. <laughs> and you pushed me out of third place at that event too. You know, you I, you know, <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> You don't get to complain. You got a podium, so there. Hey, I was I was happy with it. <laughs> I was happy with it. No, but these never leaving a point on the table is actually really important. Is one of the things that I've always learned is if you can score secondary or if you forget to score secondary, that can be really detrimental later in the game because yeah. like LVO this year, we're going to have nine rounds, right? So like at the end of the tournament, every round can mean you tying in 16th place to making 14th or 13th place, right? It can mean the difference between first and second, just one single point. So while that is a lot of pressure, my one, my other piece of advice that I would make sure hammer home is to make sure you score any point that you can um, objective within, within reason, right? Like I would not go out and like make somebody feel bad because I needed to score my points, but at the same time, you are both playing a game. Do you have any uh, tips or tricks, G? Well, to kind of piggy bank off of what you said a little earlier, not so much a tip or a trick. Well, I guess maybe it's a tip. I've played in a, a, a huge chunk of different kind of tournaments, whether it's Warhammer, Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh! when I was younger. And I always found one thing that I never liked when I was losing. And it was to have an opponent who would be apologizing a lot. And I understand they're trying to be nice. Like, I'm not trying to win, you know? It's just, this is how I play. I'd rather them just going like, hey, man, you lost. That's that's the game, you know? Because you, you feel a little worse. It almost comes out as condescending. Yet I know they're not trying to be. But I'm going to perceive it that way. And if I perceive it that way, 
I have to assume that there's probably quite a few other people who also perceive it this way, you know? Mm-hmm. I can tell you objectively, I've had people come up to me at events uh, like LVO and complain to me about some people's behaviors, about them just coming up and apologizing incessantly about killing each individual model after every single round. And it's like, well, I can't really punish somebody for that, but you know, it also made this person feel really, really bad because it is condescending to apologize after you kill every single one, especially if that person's a woman, a child, you know, guys, it doesn't matter, right? Like it is a game. We're there to both, both people are losing models. If you're killing them, you know, it's just the way of the game, right? So yeah, that's, that's a good point, G. Yeah. I, I would also say I get a lot of complaints from other people about people having gotchas and you're not specifying those enough right mm. where some of those gotchas have led to people leaving the tournament early and just quitting because they had such unfair or unfun games against people um you know and it, it's it's hard it's hard to while the person is playing the game correctly like yeah, i can't really address it either so sometimes it's Sometimes it's you, you put you're put in a really weird position because some players are, you know, uh, they didn't explain this model correctly. Maybe you ignore obscuring, like maybe you have, you know, aspects and you don't explain what aspects does, or you make a shot that somebody like you really argue to the point and then you end up crushing them because of that or something like that. And somebody has just a, such a bad, awful time against you, they leave. And that's not what a tournament organizer wants because you're ultimately not having retention. Uh, you know, it's, it can be, we're all, it's like D&D, right? We're all building a group. We're building a story together in a, in a, in a big atmosphere and everyone should do their best to make sure that, you know, that happens. So that's my opinion. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the way that I look at that is um, if you want to win, you need to be able to beat your opponents playing the best possible game they can play. So yeah. there's just no room for gotchas. If you're playing against a strong player, they probably already know the mechanics. So it's just a kindness to, to help remind them and, and play with them to create the best game that you two can create together. And if you're playing against a, a worse player than you, why do you need to gotcha them? You should just win. <laughs> you don't yeah. need to be doing that. It's only these like middle of the pack players who think they're you know, bigger than they are, who like think they could take the whole world if only X, Y, or Z wasn't holding them back. And no, 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 you, 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 you were holding yourself back and, and gotcha people is a, a way of doing that. So don't be that guy. You know, for instance, at LVO, we had one person that won best sportsmanship in pods. And the next day, five of the six people that they played came up to me and, 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 told told me how bad their game was against this person because they won their pod and they think that they can go and win the tournament and had such an awful experience against this person one person completely left right so five of the six players you know you don't be that guy don't be the guy that <laughs> that you know people come up to the to and say some stuff about you and how you're playing right so it's super important to make sure that you're having fun just as much as everyone else Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, some of those people are not coming back to Kill Team or coming back to LVO because of their games with that person, right? So 
don't be that guy or that woman to go out there and do that to these people because ultimately if they leave, other people are going to leave and then the game dies, right? So we are, we're all in it together. Let's just all have fun. High school musical style. I love it. Yeah. Hairspray. I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, well, I think, I think we're coming to that point. Any, uh, any last few moments of things you want to bring up? I think, I think we've, uh, hit everything we wanted to hit advice yeah. for players coming onto the scene, time clock tournament, pre and post stuff. Be a good sportsman, be a good sportsman. Be a good That's sportsman. a, that is pristine. And, uh, one of the ones the most has the most paramount. We should all be good to each other. Absolutely. Uh, well, Mr. Robert, do you have anything you want to plug? No, I don't. I'm not on social media. You can't find me even if you tried. You what about know. LinkedIn? LinkedIn. I'm not giving you my LinkedIn. I'll find, I'll find you later. It's fine. Thank you very much. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> I won't share it, but I'll find it. <laughs> yeah, you can go, yeah. If if you add me, I, I will accept. I'll be surprised. Don't, don't worry. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a person who doesn't use LinkedIn anymore, so I'm uh, not really active yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, I would like to shout out our YouTube. I'd like to shout out one more time FLG, our affiliate link with them. Uh, I'd also like to shout out the All Valley Team Tournament, which is coming up soon. And finally, Yuji. Yeah, I got a few. Uh, you can find me on Wargaming Studios on Instagram. It's where I'm painting a bunch of stuff right now for Kill Team and just a bunch of other miniatures I have. You can find more about us on Discord at the Squad Games Discord. You can find us also on Instagram, the Squad Games Entertainment Squad underscore games underscore entertainment. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a rating. That helps us out a lot and helps us get views. And don't forget, if you're looking to pick up some plastic, like we mentioned earlier, you can find us in one of the affiliates. And of course, if you're looking to help us out in a different way we are on patreon as well helping us out that way really helps us make more episodes new youtube videos and also lets you bring more tournaments to you guys and that's my spiel until next time guys peace